Good morning, everybody. My name is Scott Smeester. I'm here with Dissecting IT Nerds. We got a really good, really good program for you today with Carlos Joffrey. Real quick, I am the founder of CIO Mastermind. We are geeks with executive tendencies, helping other geeks with executive tendencies become established in their role, in their in the industry, in their leadership. We help CIOs, CTOs, IT directors, anybody who is reporting into the C-suite. Check us out at ciomastermind.com. All right, let's get started. Thank you, Scott. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, I looked up your profile and I want to bring it up again because I was on a different machine. Um, Are you in Miami? I am in Fort Lauderdale, just north of Miami. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. And let me just, there we go. You're the executive director of IT at, uh, what's the name of the company? I was there Bio too. Biotissue. Biotissue. Oh Bio-tissue, yeah, right. Yeah. That's interesting. I was looking forward to this one because it's an interesting field. It is indeed. It's Tell me uh, what, quite unique. Yeah. Have you been in this field a long time or have you been more in just technology and then found your way here? Yeah, technology for over 30 years now. Oh boy, uh-huh. I can't believe it. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, a little bit over like 31 years to be exact. Uh, but in the life sciences, only five and a half. It's uh, this, the current role that I have, which is head of IT for this uh, life sciences firm that really helped me get acquainted with uh, this industry, which is uh, quite unique. And, and even the product that this company uh, creates, is it's unique. I mean, I, th- I think there's only one other player in the world that uh, lives in this space. Okay. All right. And what is the most fascinating thing about what you guys do as a company? So our goal is to create products that help the body regenerate cells. Okay. The idea here is to uh, repurpose human tissue, uh, human tissue that would otherwise be discarded because this is human tissue that comes from the afterbirth. This is the specifically okay. the amnion layer or the amniotic uh, layer of the uh, wound uh, okay. and the um, umbilical cord layer of amnion that is uh, found in the umbilical cord. Okay. Uh, for, for pure accident, which is usually how some of these breakthrough products are, are found in science, uh, the doctors found it very interesting that in the early 80s, late 80s, early 90s, when in utero uh, incisions were being made for uh, babies in the womb when they had uh, conditions like spina bifida. Um, when the babies were born, the doctors were just surprised to see that the wound healing uh, was uh, done almost perfectly. There was very little scarring. Mm. And they started scratching their heads thinking, well, there's got to be something in the environment that allows for the regeneration of cells in a more moderated way. This is the basically magic behind this particular complex that is natively found in the amnion. Uh, the complex is called AC. Uh, ACHAPTX3. HCA stands for heavy chain hyaluronic acid and PTX3. I'm not sure what it stands for, but that whole complex, it's a protein complex, okay. allows for our own bodies or, or, um, um, or uh, the, uh, our cells to regenerate themselves in a moderated way. So uh, usually awesome. scarring is a condition of overreaction by our um, regenerative process. And this price, this, this, this whole uh, tissue acts like a like an orchestra conductor to make sure all the cells are regenerating in a more moderated way, easier way. And uh, scarring is uh, almost minimal when you Got use you. our products. Okay, so here's the holy grail. It sounds like to me, I got I don't have a bad knee. If I did, and thankfully I don't. You know, I've never had problems with my knees. Thank God. <laughs> I hope you don't have any. Yeah, or. Or whatever, as we get older, right? I am getting older. We all are. Um, is this the holy grail is to help regenerate uh, maybe organs or uh, like, you know, the joints 
uh, things like that, so that we can maybe live longer? Is that so this? The goal is so we actually have five clinical trials in in, in process right now. Uh, okay. The first one is to con- uh, focus particularly on diabetic f- foot ulcers or DFU. These are wounds that are uh, typically found on the ex- uh, extremities of diabetic uh, patients that don't heal. So our product basically, once you apply it, it helps the regeneration of cells around the wound and covers the wound completely. In some cases, some of the trials that we've seen, even hair starts regrowing. So there you go. There's an application for hair regrowth there as well. Oh, but- yeah, you're looking at me here, aren't you? <laughs> I am. <laughs> <laughs> but right. uh, but the, the main the main uh, the main driver of our organization is that we're we're a clinical product, meaning that we need to have clinical trials behind the claims that we make. So we're it's not like we're just going to bottle up this in, in in some sort of snake oil and, and sell it to everyone. And say hey, this is going to work. We have to make sure that we follow uh, the rigor behind clinical trials and, and show the FDA uh, good enough evidence for them to. Uh, give us the ability to sell the product uh, with those claims. So we go after specific uh, ailments. Okay. And, yeah, and by know, the way, um, one of I them was... is is oh, it's knee, is OA, which is orthoarthritic knee conditions. Okay, got it. So I would client sign up for that clinical trial for the hair thing. But you know what? I don't know what I would look like anymore with that with <laughs> hair. I don't know that it would be. You look great. Different. You look great Thanks, the way you man. are. <laughs> You're welcome. All right, well, let's get to the geek part of this thing. Um, sure. I want to hear, or nerds, IT nerds, right? So mm-hmm. you said 31 years in technology? Yes, 31 How'd you years. get your start? What was your first? So straight out of college, yeah. I, uh, I graduated with computer science degree, which back in the day, in the early 90s, most of the professors back then were all math uh, majors. Uh, they had, in, in their generation, we're talking about, 50s and 60s when they graduated, there really wasn't a computer science degree. So most of our professors were really just math math teachers uh, teaching us concepts in programming and so forth. Uh, and I do remember that curriculum being just so loaded with mathematics that uh, you know I never really used uh, those equations after I graduated. But I got lucky enough to find uh, employment at Motorola, which was at the time, as you know, in the, in the early 90s, they were basically the Google of the time. So uh, we began writing a lot of software for real-time systems. I began my career really um, focusing primarily on Unix uh, operating systems and programs that are written in C language, C++. Um, we wrote primarily applications that would support 24 by 7 factories that were deployed around the world. It was very stressful. It was a lot of um, quality assurance involved. Uh, every one change required, you know, multiple meetings, code reviews, and mm. uh, making sure that there was plenty of regression testing before we introduced these changes to uh, a live factory. Um, we got involved in messaging, which now uh, it's like a. It was a pre- predecessor to APIs, you know, web services that you oh, see yeah. today. Yep. Um, but we, but a lot of that stuff we actually code. We had to code from from the ground up. So uh, we even got into coding drivers for particular devices that we would um, connect to the factory. It was quite quite elaborate. A lot of uh, engineers that we worked alongside. A lot of, uh, like I said, whiteboard discussions, uh, quality assurance discussions, um, code reviews, and and just architectural designs and so forth. So okay. I did that for about five years. And then the stress got to me and I decided just to do consulting and um, consulting basically took, took me around the world. I started traveling. I went to uh, England for a year. I worked in Ireland also. And then um, I came back to the States because uh, frankly, I, I, got, I got homesick <laughs> um, being away from the family and the friends. So I, just, I decided yeah. to come back to South Florida and did, did more consulting, focusing on Oracle technology and then eventually I landed at Norwegian Cruise Line where I was at the IT director for about 11 years. I did work there for data warehousing and BI solutions. And, um, and then uh, now I'm here at Biotissue heading, heading a life sciences firm doing everything, you know, soup to nuts, uh, you know, telephone systems, infrastructure, security, uh, ERP support. Of course, I don't do it all myself. I, you know, I have folks that I, that I depend on and, and partners and vendors. But it's been a really interesting journey. 
Um, I really do like to focus on the technology, um, especially the technology that's available to us today. It's just amazing what type of uh, products are, are being born almost every year, cloud-based, yep. that allow us to really abstract some of the lower-level components like the network management and um, <clears throat> you know, the SAN, the storage. Uh, all that stuff is now just, you know, you click and, and you spin a new VM or you spin new storage. And and then, uh, yeah. of course, you have to pay for it. <laughs> sure. Which is the, uh, the, 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 the part that um, most organizations probably are struggling with is just managing the cost of, uh, of a cloud service. You know, and, you know, piggybacking onto that then, what, of all the kind of the technology things, that you work with right now, what's one of the bigger frustrations? Like if the um, IT industry, if the technology industry, whoever's out there, whatever's frustrating you most could fix this one thing, what would that, what would that be? I have to say if there was some sort of, um, I think a lot of providers need to harmonize their integrations. Uh, it's, it seems like every uh, good SaaS product out there uh, doesn't always have the right integration uh, infrastructure mm-hmm. in place because it's one thing for you to spin off, spin up a, a service and you go to a website, you put your username, log in, and boom, you're in. You have all the functions, everything. Um, but then you start realizing, wait a minute, how, how am I going to manage the, my, my identity management? Right? How am I going to um, make sure that the right people have the right access to the right areas of that application? Let's take Salesforce, the CRM. That's yeah. the most ubiquitous. Um, actually, Salesforce is really not a good example because they actually are very mature with their APIs. Uh, but uh, the, the, the question here is that um, as soon as a line of business starts uh, thriving on this platform, then inevitably they're going to want to uh, need some reference information from another system. And so how do you get them that information? Do you you know, you, do you FTP that information up there? Do you just shove it into a table and then they reference it or are there APIs? Uh, that are readily available. So uh, they, 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 some providers do come up with a great menu of APIs that mm-hmm. you can uh, consume, yeah. but they're not all uh, up to up to speed, um, especially in the life sciences, because the life sciences has been uh, kind of slow to pick up, um, uh, you know, digi- the digital evolution. So even I mean, I, I can, you know, the most uh, common. Um, issue that we um, find ourselves in is sometimes there are great products out there that are cloud-based, but they don't do any type of authentication back to either Azure or any type of, you know, um, like Okta. And, and you start wondering, well, do I now have to create another set of username and passwords? And typically they'll say, yes, but we're working on the, uh, the SSO piece and, and the three-factor authentication. And you're like, come on, guys, this should be right mm-hmm. out of the gate. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. So I would to, to answer your question, I think I, it's a lengthy answer, but uh, it's it's the integration forty two that some of these platforms don't have yet. Gotcha. Gotcha. So then on the other side of things, what's one of the more fun? And it, it could even be gaming or something like that. What's the more one of the more fun things that you do in technology that you look forward to getting to? Um, <laughs> I know this is going to sound like a real geek. It's, 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 I know this is going to sound like a real geek, but I just love data. I love data. I mm. love fixing data. I love, I'm like whack-a-mole. You know how data, it's, it's like uh-huh. whack-a-mole, right? You, you think you fix it and then suddenly, you know, more misaligned information comes out. Like perfect example is address. Oh my God, address or phone number fields. They're like <laughs> the worst. It's like whenever you don't have like good um, standards on the front end and you got people putting like phone numbers with an error code or, or the country code without a country code uh, all together without parentheses, you know, there's like a, what, like 10 different formats for a right. phone number. Uh, so when you just get that data in raw, raw format, you know, you write some really fancy functions to clean it up. And then lo and behold, that one variation that shows up later on and breaks everything. So it's yeah. really, it's a, the data cleansing piece. I love, which really goes along with uh, integration as well. Although some of the newer integration tools, because we recently launched um, three middlewares uh, where I'm at. And um, it's it's amazing how um, they now accelerate some of the that cleansing, right? You no longer have to code a lot of this thing. A lot of these things, they're just, you know, you just... For example, um, just last week I was doing uh, integration because um, I'm actually pretty very hands-on. I love to play around and, and 
partly it's because I just, and I think, because I've heard your podcast before and, and it's a common theme is as, as you grow up in the organization and you become a senior leader, you know, you, you tend to not really code, you tend to not really get your hands dirty. Yeah. Uh, but every now and then, you know, you just, it's so much fun to go in there and unravel a problem and trying to figure out with your team, not, you know, not do their job, but get involved and, and get in the weeds because it's super fun. So I really enjoy doing that. I enjoy, um, I know you mentioned gaming, but you know, I, I do every now and then get my um, Angry Birds out and I'll play that or or one of those games. Uh, but uh, from from a, just a pure technology, I just love to solve complex problems that are data-driven or data gotcha. Well, that's yeah. awesome. So, now that is geek, by the way. That is... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> like what... I mean, I guess you probably, well, you know, Oracle, obviously, um, mm-hmm. other things, you're a command line guy, right? Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. I, I try to, I try to use the, the, um, um, I guess they're now code, they're called codeless or code. No, there's something code free. No or, code. No code. That's it. The no code features of these platforms where you just drag and drop. It's like, how, like for example, and yeah. in, in, so I've used a platform called Jitterbit and in this platform, I'm mapping you know, a date field, for example, from system A to system B, and system B happens to be SQL Server. Actually, no, it, in this particular example, it was Salesforce. And then when I did the mapping, immediately it knew that you need to include a function to uh, translate the, the date. So mm. it knew. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's right, you got to translate the date fields, right? Because it takes them in consideration. If it's a time zone, if there's, a, you know, some dates have a time zone in it, the time component, yep. it We'll throw in the time zone component, which is like, oh my god, I forgot, I forgot, I forgot about that, and it just shows up, and you're like, oh yeah, that's great. You have to code for that. So I do love that component, but every now and then you'll find myself like writing, you know, uh, PowerShells or you know something to automate something that you know could easily be done in, in, in clicks. Gotcha. So did you say you're using a no-code platform? We are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a, a variety, uh, quite a few, uh, mostly on the integration side. So we, we, we got a platform called Workado, which is really short for work automation, yep. uh, which is great. Uh, I used to do uh, a lot of that work early in my career with FTP processes, and I used to script all that stuff. And Workado says, hey, you don't have to script the stuff anymore. We'll do it for you. And oh, by the way, we'll do the auditing and, and the alerting. And it's, it's phenomenal. Um, of course, Again, you have to pay for it, right? <laughs> yeah, and Workado, from what I understand, is it can be expensive. It and can minimum yeah. amounts of licenses and things like yeah. that. Type yeah, thing. yeah. They're based on a concept called a recipe, which is cool. It's like you're building a menu, right? So you're building a dish, right? So you create a recipe, and the recipe, even if it's like two points in the recipe, two two hops, uh, that's one seat, right? So the way that it's licensed, like we we got the minimum footprint, which is I think ten. Recipes, so ten recipes could be any any connection A to B, but uh, but you know you have up to ten, and then there's other tiers above that. Um, the other platform that we use is uh, Jitterbit, which I mentioned, and then the other one is Apigee, which is uh, like akin to MuleSoft or Boomi or API Gateway from AWS. It's it's a way to basically um, hub and spoke your API. So a system A and system B does, they don't have to be connected directly. They go through a middle person. So it's only one connection all the time for whatever system you got, and then that that middleware does the routing, and it's pretty cool. You you know it's a, it's a very common architecture to um, talk through a middle a middle person. So, but like uh, Workado, what was the other name? The one that you just mentioned, Apigee, which is API G, oh, oh yeah, Apigee. which is from uh, it's from Google. Yeah, that's a Google platform. Now it's not actually they're not storing any data. Is that correct? Some of them do. Yeah, some metadata. That's right. Yeah. Some of the yeah. no code, but I would guess that Workado does not. Uh, I think the only thing that Workado uh, stores is metadata around the orchestration, like when things gotcha. run, how often they take, and yep. uh, depending on also that's another thing on on the license. Depending on the licensing, the retention is very short. It's like fourteen days. After yep. that, they clean it on their on their own, which is great. Because how many times have you written something and then, you know you log something, and then suddenly it's like, oh yeah, I forgot to clean the log directory. And then suddenly you fill up the log directory because it's been running for a year and a half, and you don't have uh, you know a garbage collection process to to clean it up. So 
Again, these things just make it very simple right out of the box. Uh, you have retention uh, on your logs and and so on. So it's really nice. I, I, I so from that perspective, I love I love these uh, these low code platforms that allow you to do things and really focus more on the business rule aspect, not so much on the mechanics. Right, right. Now I'm assuming that the platforms that you use are not really meant for. So. You know, what I've been working on a lot lately is um, exploration into citizen development, um, looking into um, uh, uh, what's the PMI, uh, the, uh, why am I forget Project Management Institute. Mm-hmm. I wanted mm-hmm. to say program, but that was, so that's what right. I was stumbling yep. on that. Um, do you have citizen developers or are these more technical folks in your firm that are leveraging Workado because you know, there's the terms low code and then there's no code. I've seen and I've played around with no code platforms before, and we just called Workado a no code. I would think that Workado is more of a low code. Yes, I agree with you because in Workado, you can still introduce things like JavaScripting and, and so forth if right. you want, if you want to get a little fancier, if you want to take care of certain things. Uh, in fact, when you, um, when you look at the mapping, um, there's always a component or an area in there where you could say, hey, you could do your own mapping or translation uh, without using any of our already existing formulas. Yeah. So are you leveraging then or do you have people in the organization who is um, working on no-code platforms too? Um, Organization, so our organization is small. We have uh, under 300 employees. Okay. IT, IT is about 12 Yep. The only um, sort of citizen uh, coder is uh, folks that support the Salesforce platform because Salesforce being that it's really supporting a sales organization, the the chief commercial officer has like a team of of IT. I they used to be called Rogue IT, but in in our case, it actually works perfectly because they do just su- they only really do support only the sales organization, not the rest of the enterprise. So it just makes sense for them just to focus on the Salesforce. Force platform, and uh, the only touch points they had with us IT is on the integration side, which is the part that we own. Um, and plus, they also in Salesforce they um, are leveraging uh, a product called um, Lightning, which allows for the UI to be enhanced a little more. And um, and the other one we use is uh, oh my god, it has a really funny name. Um, so you can tell I don't support it because it would just roll off my <laughs> tongue. My tongue, but it's uh, it'll come to me. But it's a it's a great little uh, add-on on Salesforce that allows you to to really create a, a prettier UX UI experience and also put in some uh, business rules. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, I was looking at your company uh, and uh, I see that there is a CTO. Yes, in your company, mm-hmm. um, and which is interesting because sometimes you see CIOs and. CTOs. I read a I read a post the other day. Somebody's like, we should just get rid of the CTO title because it does nothing. And I'm like, wait a minute, what? That doesn't no, make sense. No, 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 no. See, the the CTO, at least from from how I've learned of that position, is the the person who is responsible for the technology direction of a product that the company is establishing. So it makes sense for for example, Facebook or Google. Yeah. Or Samsung to have a CTO because they're the ones that are, uh, you know, the, the the tip of the spear in terms of innovation of technology products that you're producing as a commodity, right? Right. Um, so in our case, we have a CTO because our product is the clinical product, right? So uh, let's go back to the conversation we had ten minutes ago, where we have all these different applications of our regenerative product. Well, our CTO, who is a uh, very highly regarded scientist in this in this ophthalmic space uh, is the one that basically drives the direction of what new element we want to go into. And of course, someone in IT would have no business to be in that in that in that lane, right? So this is right. all clinical clinical technology. So in our case, we do need a CTO to drive the innovation of our products. And how do you support the the CTO in in his direction? So lucky for me, most of the products are clinical in nature. So, and they're derived by the same raw products that we process. And when you say clinical, 
Help me out with this phrase clinical. What do you mean mm-hmm. by that? Clinical is a product that gets applied to a human being, either topical, right? Or injectable, yep. or, you know, it could be consumable like a drug or it could be, you know, uh, anything that you put in the human body or is, uh, is of a nature to help uh, treat an ailment. So that's, that's really uh, at least my okay. definition of a clinical. Um, our products are, are both for ophthalmic and wound care. So we ship our products that are uh, specifically for a particular surgery or a particular uh, condition of the eye. We're soon to launch a product that will treat uh, dry eye, which is, uh, it's, uh, we're really excited about it. I think it's going to be one of those, uh, um, I don't want to. I don't want to use the word game changer because that's overuse and it's a marketing <laughs> thing. But it's 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 really going to make a difference and um, it's really uh, rewarding to be uh, working the life sciences from from the perspective that um, what you're producing is really improving the lives of of people and lives of uh, folks that would otherwise uh, have no other options because we are focusing on unmet needs. I can even talk about a, a case that uh, they showed us last year where a, a firefighter uh, almost lost her toe uh, through, through a chainsaw uh, incident. And wow. if she would have lost her toe, she probably would have lost her career or as a firefighter because as you know, t- your toe kind of helps you with your balance. Yep. Um, and uh, I'm going to spare you the pictures, but uh, <laughs> it suffices to say that our products miraculously helped this particular it was a female firefighter recover her toe, and a, she was able to, you know, uh, keep keep her job basically. So the product helped her regrow tissue. Yes, it regenerated the, the tissue. Kind of that kind of a thing. Yes, I, actually, if if you want some, um, if you want me to show the I, after this call, I can I can share the picture for you because it's really phenomenal. It's one of these yes. things you're like, wow. So you, You'll email the pictures to me. I Any will, listeners I will. out there have to come to me to get these pictures. Yes. The before and after or just after? This is the, this is the whole journey. It's like a, from the, 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 the moment that the patient was in the ER to the point that they cleaned the wound and then they treated it with a product. And you see, and it's weeks. We're talking about, uh, I think it was like 12 to 16 weeks, the whole journey. And you see how this toe start starts regenerating. It's it's amazing. So, so you what see the, that and you're like, wow. What does the final toe look like? Just a regular old toe? Just no. I mean, you scarring? can see that there's some scarring in there, of course. Okay. Uh, but okay. but when you look at the original picture, like the type of damage she did with the chainsaw, you're like, oh, wow, that's it. She's done. I mean, am, that's got to be amputated. And then and then you look at the end result. You're like, wow. Yeah. It's and and and, th- and there's other cases like that too that are. Uh, a little less extreme, but um, we do, like I said, uh, go after unmet needs. And and our first product really wants, we want to focus on DFUs because um, the, our diabetic foot ulcers, because if they go untreated, the uh, next sort of treatment is amputation. And um, we, right. our products will, will help uh, patients uh, keep, keep their limbs, both, you know, arms and, and our, uh, I would say feet and, and, uh, and, and hands. But most. you have to have access to the backup, which is the actual toe itself. It wouldn't just regrow at this point. Correct. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is our I mean, product. You have you to attach products. it and yeah. regrow some of the mm-hmm. tissues, specific mm-hmm. tissues. Yeah. Our product really, if you, if, you, if you think about it, our product is really is almost like an organ um, transfer from one body to the other. And the amnion um, has this magical... Uh, property that your body does not reject it, no matter who the donor is, yeah. which is incredible. It's it's almost like our bodies re, like remember, oh, this is the uh, the complex that helped you know create me when I was in the womb. So I'm not going to reject it. I'm just going to you know accept and 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 help. Like I said, this like, it has this this property of moderating our own ability to to regenerate our own our own uh, wounds. That is fascinating. How yeah, about like yeah. um, psychological wounds? I'm just kidding. <laughs> How do we go back in time and, you know, that thing that happened, that rejection yeah. from that girl or whatever. Yeah, yeah, day, yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> that'd be great uh, to yeah. recover. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we could do much about that. Nah, probably not. Maybe someday, right? Yeah. So um, do you think then, here's my, here's what I've been saying to people about 
that. I, I was always saying, you know, one of these rich billionaires is going to get involved in this stem cell industry, the regrowth industry, so that they can live longer. They're going to have this self-preservation um, desire and motivation, and they're going to really get involved in this. And I'm currently 52. And um, I, I said, I say to people, if I can live till 70, I'm going to live till 110. Because that's another 18 years of research. And Elon or Jeff Bezos, I know Jeff is getting involved in this, isn't he? Has he been investing in these in stem cell type businesses? I I know Amazon Amazon is getting into the healthcare space. I I remember hearing something about a pharmacy acquisition, but I'm I'm not sure. Yeah. And I know that about Amazon, but I actually have read that Jeff Bezos himself is actually getting into stem cell. It, beside the point. Right, right. My right. point is, well, is know, that, what's that? We, we generate our own stem cells. So our, our, our stem cells are the ones that help that regeneration. So our products actually moderate our own stem cells when they are in the process of um, converting themselves into a, a, you know, a hair follicle or a skin cell and so forth. Yeah. So it's, it's very interesting uh, uh, space. So this this whole space is called biologics, which is something biologics. that was started biologics. So that's the space within life sciences, and it's just basically treatment uh, or any treatment that is derived from from uh, cells or or cells cell derived treatment. It, it's not drug based, so um, it's typically safer. It has very uh, less side effects than 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 uh, a drug. Um, interesting. But, but it's uh, yeah, it's a space that's been now, I think, around for I want to say over twenty years. But uh, so today, company, I learned the the phrase for the industry is biologics. Now, is that biologics? Yes, correct. Yep. Ending in ix. I hope it is. No, uh, <laughs> lics. Okay, actually, oh, sorry, I think that's more G-I-C-S. appropriate. Biologics. Yep. Yeah. Biologics, and that's this thing that I've been talking about. So. What do you think about my assessment? If I live till 70, I'll live till 110. It's quite possible that you are on the money because, um, and then not just so much for the treatment, but it's the fact that we're so much more aware of um, how to eat better, how to have better lifestyles than say our parents' generation. Yeah. Where, you know, they just didn't have the information and, you know, they were loading up with steaks and burgers all the way up to when they were like 70. Nothing wrong with meat, but, as you, um, you know, as you age, I think your, your, your digestive needs are, are different and you just have to kind of, you know, keep, keep that in mind. So, but then that, but then that raises the question for me, okay, so my body can live till 110 and so what is that supporting your mind? How does, how do what happens to the mind as it gets old? Ooh, that's a, that, that's a loaded question there. Scott, I mean, it's, yeah, yeah there's, uh, there, there's. Can you prevent that from happening or is that a STEM thing? Is that a cell thing? Yeah, I, I, I'm afraid you're diving into an area where I'm just not the uh, SME. We'll, or the, we'll uh, find out one day, right? Subject matter expert, yeah. People will be living till 110, but they can't freaking talk or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want, I don't That's actually interesting. want that. Yeah, but most I, I people that, I tell about this, they're like, I don't want to live that long. Geez, not in this world. Well, the, the other question you got to answer is, will your wallet be able to live that long? So, that's a really good question. I, I yeah. would think that I would think that if you do live past 70, you would have figured out how to make money. <laughs> or <laughs> yeah. your wisdom, maybe your wisdom is worth so much. Maybe I don't know. That's a really good question, too. Yep. Yeah, just you got to think about what what you're going to do for retirement. You know, but, I, but by the way, audience, <laughs> audience, I'm not talking about living until 110, and from the day of 70 on up until 110, I'm old guy until I die. No, I mean, I see myself. I would love to regress my body back to even where I am now when I'm when I'm in my seventies, eighties, nineties, God, that sounds crazy to me, but hopefully the body can be strengthened. 
and regret. Well, that's the Holy Grail. Is that the Holy Grail in your industry? Is that really literally do you guys get together and talk like, okay, someday our industry is going to be make allowing people uh, allow this problem with this population our all of our you know our 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 population is going down we're not having children like we did so we're going to have to make up for it we might just have to live longer yeah i think well, uh, so i mentioned earlier uh, about how we're focusing on unmet needs uh, i think the whole vision of our company is to be the leader uh, in the regenerative space so we can um, enhance and help people with uh, their quality of life. And what's that look like? Quality so, of life. So no they, pain. They are, right, no pain. Um, we're one of our, one of the products that we're, uh, which I mentioned earlier, is the um, knee or OA, which is orthoarthritic conditions of the knee and joints. Um, as you may know, uh, we're in the midst of a um, drug uh, pandemic with the opioids. And of course, opioids are taken because people, for the most part, are suffering pain, like back pain and so forth. So our mm. products are hopefully mm. going to address the, the pain issue, you know, the root cause of why people are taking opioids. Oh, that would be big. That would be great. And again, that, well, there's that psychological thing again. What about addiction? <laughs> That's a tough road to cross. You let that other industry, what's that called? Psychologics. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, prior to that, I was at Norwegian Cruise Line for 11 years. So we were, you know, the, you know, providing uh, dreams to people so they can forget about their problems and their pain. So that there's another industry that you could there you you focus go. on too. Okay. So I'll shift gears here a little bit and we'll talk about what, um, besides biologics, What's the most uh, intriguing technology thing that's coming about that you're excited about? Yeah, I, I think uh, hands down is the AI and how AI is going to be uh, used for uh, business applications. Because I think for the most part, we, we do see AI in consumer goods like Alexa and so on. Um, but I, I really would like to start... Um, investigating how AI is going to play into uh, just basic business business flows like, you know, PO management and just ordered cash uh, or procure to pay processes, um, you know, maybe um, suggesting uh, uh, possible features or, or services to uh, customers, current customers, um, helping in the sales uh, cycle, uh, regardless of what industry you, you're in. Um, there are probably already features that uh, I am personally unaware of in, in like a Salesforce platform, for example. But I'm really curious to see how um, AI is going to play a role in, in just just basic uh, business, uh, business rules and business uh, workflows. How do you even jump in the pool to AI? Like, what does that look like? What is a project? Okay, hey, this project looks like it's an AI project. We need to get some artificial intelligence looking at this helping us make these, these decisions or these, I mean, you can automate things now, you can automate payments and a lot of that stuff. But when do you know you need to jump into AI? Um, I think one, you know? one of the areas there, there's opportunities and there may already be technologies around it is um, how you interact with HR, right? So as an employee, especially think of a very large organization with thousands of employees, and then suddenly now has somebody has a question about their 401k their benefits or insurance questions. Um, you know, I think now um, you can possibly introduce AI for uh, a quick chatbot, you know, where people just, you know, talk to HR. You'll have like a chatbot called Ask, AR, Ask HR. And then, hey, I have a question. Okay, what's your question? You know, that type of back and forth that you see now with travel sites uh, where they can guide you to a product or even some of the support sites. I think uh, I recently was, I think it was my bank. I was really interacting with my bank about, a question I had, and it was just really a, a bot. So the idea here is that now you you, you can customize uh, a bot that can interact with an employee, and based on your own policies and, and procedures and work instructions, then the bot can actually just you know uh, guide an employee on, on internal policy, policies and you know and 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 ask very succinct uh, questions like uh, travel and, and entertainment 
uh, policies. Like maybe you have somebody that just joined and he's like, well, I'm going to take, you know, business trip to the Northeast. You know, what, what do I, how do I do this? You know, and then just, you know, pop a bot. And that makes a, fi- a more efficient use of the HR stuff. You don't have to man somebody to, you know, monitor an inbox or, or, or worse, you know, pick up a phone and, and start talking, you know, wasting 15 minutes of, of someone's time to really understand what it is that they're looking for. So right. I think there's there's a good AI opportunity uh, for for enterprise uh, for an enterprise solution, and then of course it's the other the other aspect on um, you know being that I was at 11 years at, at a cruise line, um, one of the main focus of of, of a cruise line or, or, or any any uh, uh, travel and leisure industry that has a, a commodity that expires over time is yield management, right? It's, it's, it's being able to uh, manage this pricing uh, elasticity uh, in a more optimal way so you can maximize your revenues, right? So um, that really requires a lot of data, a lot of data analysis. So, um, and, and a lot of that stuff, I'm not, I don't think I'm giving up any, any secrets here, but a lot of stuff was really done very manually. I mean, yes, we have processes to do ETL and, 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 and crunch through all those, those reservations and figure out what was, you know, relevant changes versus, versus changes that we don't like and, and so forth. Um, but the idea here is that to be able to to um, create more of a human interaction with that data, and and be able to answer questions like you know what what should I really price this itinerary next week versus you know two weeks from now or three weeks from now, and and oh by the way do I throw in a discount for people that are you you know doing an inside cabin versus an outside cabin. Um, and then have this thing just basically talk to you and interact and, and then not just spit the, 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 the price out, but actually do the change in the reservation system, which is where the magic has to happen because that's usually another system and it's integrations. Yep. Uh, but, and then, you know, you get software engineers like myself get all worried. It's like, oh, wait a minute. Now we're giving the, you know, we're giving the control to an end user to go change, change something in the system without us taking a look and, and figuring out it doesn't break anything. So it's this complex. The more... S- Simplistic, you make some an experience. The more complexity that um, you have to add in the backside, and then you you create this you know algorithm, right? That then uh, no one really knows what what is doing and how it's it's behaving. Right, exactly. That's a pretty crazy thoughts behind that AI. It's not just a bunch of if statements. <laughs> it's non-deterministic code. It's, yeah, it's code that it's code that. Uh, Today it'll say if this condition then that, but then tomorrow be this if this other condition then then that, and, uh, and and the conditions change depending on you know how it learns the you know the data or uh, yeah it's it's really it's neat. basically it's, writing its own if then statements exactly finding other exactly. finding other conditions finding other whatever um, yep. variables or yep. uh, yeah situations. I remember I remember when I was in college that we used to call that fuzzy logic. That's when uh, it's not really, um, you know, true or false. It's like a maybe. It's like maybe, yeah. but it depends on this. It depends on that. And, and those de- de- the, the dependencies, you know, vary over time. And, and that time is, yeah. you know, that's, that's the learning, right? The machine is doing and recalculating. And, and. But I think it's, I, 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 I'm more of an optimistic. I know um, perhaps some people get scared, like AI is going to take over the world and so forth. And there are, there are some dark sides to it. And then you can see that in, in, um, in social media, uh, when it's just feeding you, you know, what you like and, and suddenly you, you know, you continue to, you know, go down the spiral of just, you know, believing your own thoughts and so forth. But AI, I think does have a positive, um, positive side to it. You just, we just got to make sure that there's enough, you know, ethics behind it and, and regulation, of course. Which there isn't, but that's, that's another story. <laughs> And there won't be for a long time. Until yeah, yeah, it's the same to be to be said about digital currency, right? And uh, and and the and the these commodities out there like Bitcoin and Ethereum, where you know they're really not currencies; they're just security. You know, they're they're security objects, but that you're trading back and forth. They're like uh, they're like baseball cards at this point. No one's really buying anything with with Bitcoin. Isn't it great that we get to be the test case and bring this stuff up as the generations that are bringing this? Yep. I think future generations. Yep. I think future generations are going to look back and be like, "Oh my God, I would not have wanted to live in that time." That social media thing? Are you crazy? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh my God, that guy bought a board monkey NFT for how much? 
Yeah. What? <laughs> and they used to drive, they used to ride around in these little metal boxes at 60, 80 miles an hour. And and they drove it themselves. They did it themselves. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I tell you, one one of the things I'm really looking forward to is for for my kids and their generation to not have to uh, drive, not have to have control of the vehicle and not have to depend, you know, because your life actually depends, believe it or not, when you hit the road, your life depends on the person next to you not doing something crazy and hitting yeah. you out of the blue because they're mad at their ex, you know, or they're, you know, they're running away from some from a cop. <laughs> so the idea here is that um, at some point, uh, technology will hopefully focus in on um, life-saving, self-preservation and so forth. Um, I'm really looking forward to vehicles to have, you know, hardwired self-preservation logic that will never allow uh, a, a driver to like, you know, jam their, you know, drive off a cliff, drive the, the vehicle into a wall or into another another vehicle. Yeah. I mean, you're already seeing that, right, with, uh, with uh, Tesla and some of the other newer vehicles. But I truly believe that we'll be in a world where, um, you know, all that stuff will be totally automated and we're going to be saving, yeah. you know, 30, 40,000 lives a year. In, in accidents. So just in this conversation alone, this is exciting for you, audience. Check this out. The rest of your life is going to be spent navigating all our bio, what was it? Biologics, biologics, um, what's going to happen ethically, all the different things. Just, okay, that's biologics, AI, social media, and what do we just talk about again? We just talked about, um, oh, driving. Oh, driving, yeah, just driving. to navigate just through automation into driving and stuff. Yeah. So good luck with it. Just- <laughs> <laughs> it, it usually is, it's not the end result. I think the end result will see it. It's just a transition, right? How you get there. And, and, and yeah. oh, by the way, how do those... How does emerging economies get there? Because typically when we focus about the future and technology, we always think about, you know, North America, Europe, but what about India? What about Africa? What about those? You know, we can't forget them either. I think technology needs to also uh, come, come up to speed for them as well and make, make their lives uh, better. Interesting. So I'll shift gears again, as I normally do. So you're currently executive di- director of IT. I'm curious what might be next for you uh, and what you have to do to kind of stay relevant moving forward. Yeah, that's, that's a, I actually ask that question all the time. I'm asking that question. So the, the only thing I'm never going to stop is learn. I'm learning. I'm never going to stop learning. And um, one of the advents of now uh, of so many, you know, SaaS platforms is that you have such an unprecedented access to information and, and tools and, and uh, ability to understand everything. I mean, just last week, we um, someone introduced a new device to our ecosystem, which I had never heard of before, and now I'm fully uh, up to date with it. And the product is called Remarkable Two. Have you ever heard of it? I have not. Me either. So it turns out Remarkable is a tablet where you can write almost like a Kindle, but it, it's a little larger. Where you can draw and, and put architects, you know, sort of like a whiteboard, but you're it's portable, but that's all it is. It's just a device. And, mm. um, and you can just, you know, create a PDF and send it off and, and share your thoughts and ideas pretty quickly uh, with some collaboration else. tool. It's like a collaboration tool, but it's its own appliance. It's, it's really a tablet, but it's super lightweight. It looks, it lo- almost looks like a notepad. So we're looking at figuring out how to get that integrated with our office 365. So, you know, there you go. It's a new product, a new, a new environment and something new, which, for, and I'm actually very happy that this is happening, which is usually brought up by a line of business people, you know, people in the line of business. They're like, hey, we saw this. I, we think it's really going to be uh, good for our, um, for our team because, uh, you know, they collaborate with other folks in that particular line of business with other industries, industries and, you know, they talk and social media. I mean, it's, it's incredible. Some of, these, some of these products that are up and coming are so quick and fast. Um, and again, I, I go back to the integration and just make sure that, some of these products are have the right and proper integration, so you can, you know, put the security con- controls in it and and um, adequate data data governance, right? Yes, absolutely. So that's the next challenge: is just to learn more. Just to learn more. How about leadership? What kind of things are 
are you um, and who do you kind of look for for leadership? Um, technically, uh, the, from a leadership perspective, I, I like to look at folks that are in a similar industry to see what they're doing. But in, in, in my case, obviously, uh, other IT leaders. So I'm actually a member of a, uh, a, a group called Norax. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, which is really, it's a subscription-based product uh, or service. Um, but what I like about it is that uh, you can connect with other CIOs or a head of IT leaders, and they'll talk about some like really basic things like, uh, you know, Office 365, you know, geeky things like Office 365 licensing and how it's different when you're in Azure as opposed to AWS and how more complex it is and how if you you know want to do this or if you want to do, you know, leverage power apps, you know, you got to be in Azure, you can be in AWS, or if you are in AWS, you know, those are the things going back to learning. So Norex is really a great resource for me. Um, I'm also, um, most recently, I've been doing a, um, a, um, AV, uh, investigation in AV. I mean, the uh, audiovisual, uh, mm. technology that we have in our conference room, because as, as the hybrid, um, so the hybrid situation is here to stay. Uh, but now we've got the challenge of people that are, you know, half people are in the office, the other half is still working from home. And we want to be able to have a very, uh, collaborative experience. Mm. In, in, in the boardroom. So if we have people in the boardroom and people are at home, that um, if, say, the presenter is at home, that the whole experience is as uh, collaborative in nature as possible and people don't have issues with microphone or, or um, the video feed or um, what, what they're sharing and so forth. So um, I'm, I'm looking to simplify. I think we, we overdid our technology uh, pre-COVID. Um, we were actually pretty ready for COVID, by the way. Almost everybody went went to work from home, and it was pretty seamless. We had auto VPN from the get go, so it really was very seamless. Um, but we, I think, we 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 had too many ways of communicating, and that created a little bit of confusion. Um, so Norax is it's a good um, resource for me uh, to be able to learn more about um, leadership and also direction. Uh, for the most part, I'm I'm one of those types of leaders that. Um, I like to um, get a general opinion of, on directions. Even with this AV refresh that I'm doing, I'm working with my head of infrastructure and giving him my... I actually didn't give him the, the project because he's got way too much on his plate. And I thought it would be better just for me to, to, to start researching uh, new options. So we're really, like I said, dumbing down our infrastructure. But I just re- actually just yesterday sent him a, a, a very specific email with all the items that I wanted to, to work on and, and change to get his feedback. Uh, but yeah, I think for the most part, I like to really, I think, um, the other thing I, I like to, you know, throw it out, out there and, and hopefully your, your, your listeners, um, take heed of this advice is Toastmasters. Toastmasters is an organization for public yep. speaking is one of the best, most cost effective clubs that you can belong to where you can interact with other peers, um, in different industries that help you basically put together your thoughts and be able to present and not only present and speak, but also listen. And I think that's, that's one of the biggest eye-openers for me when I started uh, at Toastmasters is, wow, you actually, because you have to take these roles, and those roles are about you giving an update at the end of the meeting about what happened in the meeting, and you have to pay a lot of attention to what happens in the meeting in order for you to give some good, adequate feedback. And I think that's really been a, a great uh, resource for me in terms of building my leadership skills. So you're when you were talking about the collaboration, um, you're going through AV right now. Um, how far along on the road on, are you on that? I just finished my assessment. We have, I think, about seven different bullet items that we're going to focus on. And primarily, it's just like I said, dumbing down. Like, for example, we had um, these head uh, mics that were dropping from the ceiling. And we had uh, one of those cameras that kind of rotate and follow the speaker. So we decided to scratch that because that needed a local PC and then people had to connect to the local PC. If they brought their laptops, they weren't sure how did my laptop connect to that. So it was just I see. You know, that thing. And also we're going to um, just standardize on our, uh, on teams as opposed to WebEx and Zoom, which are the other two pl- uh, platforms that we had. Okay. Has the I'm just kind of curious because I do think that there is a place for VR, and I think that VR is going to be the ultimate collaboration. But my gosh, 
how far does that have to go? Because you have to buy other equipment. You have to buy, I mean, everyone has to have a headset that's working, that they know how to manage and run and log into. <laughs> how far away is that? I don't know. I hope we don't get that soon enough, though. I, I, the, 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 the metaverse. Uh, so we jokingly talked about it in the beginning. We, we were like, so why don't we just get rid of the rooms altogether and just get everybody those VR headsets? And then yeah. whenever we have a meeting, we'll just go into like a virtual room and we have avatars of each other. And then we're talking and we're like, are you, you know, I, I, I mentioned that jokingly to my, to my boss. I think that at some point, maybe we'll get right there. there. That's a, that's a set of uh, Oculus right there. There you are. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I see it. Yeah. I yeah. bought it literally and I've used it maybe five times in the last year. Yeah, that maybe a year and a half. More people have used it than me. And I bought it literally just to see what's out there. Yeah. Just yeah. to see what's happening now. Because this is my second set. I bought some HTC yep. ones a few years ago. Well, more like five or six years ago. Yep. Well, I have a family family member, very close family member that works at Facebook, so he kind of gives me the insight of what's going on with with that. But um, I, I, I tell you, there's there's an opportunity there. There's been an opportunity uh, down here in South Florida. We 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 have a company called uh, Magic Leap, which uh, was in that space. Um, primarily, they wanted to, I believe, although I'm, I don't have inside information on them, but I know that they were at some point focusing on medical applications where a doctor could put on these VRs and and be able to do. Um, you know, a practice run on a on a on a prospective client, uh, like let's say heart surgery or whatever, uh, where the uh, the sort of um, the the heart or whatever would actually be a rendition of that patient's heart, so they could see where things were at and and the tumor or whatever that they were dealing mm-hmm. with before they actually um, you know treated the patient. So I think there's certainly a possibility there in healthcare to improve uh, the accuracy of uh, surgeries. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. But as far as like creating a virtual meeting room so that, you know, you, your coworkers are in there and avatars and, and you're talking to them like that. No, I, I don't know. I just don't see that any, anytime soon because of the equipment that you have to put on. It's just too cumbersome. It's too cumbersome. It costs too much to even take that step. Uh, it's such a good, it's so promising. It's the most promising, I think, one of the most promising, and by the way, I mean, not like the best. I'm just saying promising. It's a, VR has been there for a long time as a promise to business, but it's just not delivered yet. That's right. But, you know, you can't, you can't really, I, I think it's unfair for us to sort of take shots at it. It's sort of like taking shots at the Model 1 or the, the, the T1 when Ford first released that car. And saying, oh, that's not going to work. I mean, look at those those tires and they're, you know, they're just very bumpy or, you know, I'd rather, you know, I, I like my horse and carriage is more efficient. Plus, I love my horse. You know, it's it's that you, you kind of, you know, you take shots at the, the newer technology, which is very rudimentary, very rustic in the beginning. But uh, as long as you have the right amount of, of um, investment and, and the, the right vision or right or where you want to take this, yeah. you know, as long as it's something to improve human life and improve uh, our uh, our existence here as humans, I think, yeah, I think there's there's definitely a, uh, an opportunity there. I kind of predict that VR won't be in business until it's like a keyboard or a mouse, which by the way, I think we got to get rid of keyboards, keyboards and mouse. This is old ass yes, technology right here. It is. And Actually, we, we were just talking for- about that the other day. You yeah. know how the QWERTY, you know the QWERTY keyboard, you know how that came to be? Uh-huh. It's because of the strikes of the hammers. They had to make sure that the most commonly English oh, written words far away, right? With the keys, the, the letters were as far away as possible, so that so the so the hammers wouldn't jam. I did and not. That's how know now that. we have the court. Yeah, that's how we have the QWERTY. Yeah. So now we're just we all got trained on this keyboard, and we got to live with it. So it's it's legacy, right? Yep. All right, we're coming to the end here. Just a couple minutes left. I want you to tell the audience what. Um, what we're going to see in five years, what you think we're going to see in five years. Well, I hope that we see more automation on the roads. I hope we see more AI involved in our daily appliances and daily use. And, and in business, I, I hope that we um, roll out more 
integration solutions so that as you pick different SaaS applications, that there's more of a plug and play as opposed to you having to, you know, hire integration engineers to, you know, decipher what's going on in the back end. Well, there you have it. Carlos Joffrey, is it, am I pronouncing the last name right? All right. Perfect. Well, it's been an awesome hour along with you, Carlos. Uh, been a lot of fun chatting with you, talking technology. We're um, cut from the same cloth. I love talking, talking geek kind of stuff, and we're both on about that. So uh, it's been fantastic. So everyone, if there's anything, you know, yeah, I told you to write me uh, if you want to see those toe picks, but you might want to just reach out to Carlos uh, Joffrey. His last name is J-O-F-R-E. You can find him on LinkedIn. Carlos is the first name. Thank you, Carlos. Appreciate you spending the time with us. You bet. Have a good All weekend. Right. Thanks a lot, my friend.